Ah, hey everybody, welcome back for a little oh lordy gordy. <laughs> Uh, I have to tell you guys right off the bat, we went through a recording of this entire episode on Sunday here a few days ago, which we normally do, and the recording quality was a piece of shit, and I couldn't fix it in post-editing or uh, in post-audio, so I, I had to give up, and we're recording it all over again. So it's going to be that much better, huh, Dave? Oh, 100%. Yeah, we learned from our mistakes in the first episode. I thought we were down at the crossroads. <laughs> Actually, we were just listening to a little cream before we recorded this. For those listeners who don't know what cream is, I'm sorry you haven't been blessed with that sunshine of love sunshine. in your life. Boom, 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 One of the boom. best trios in the existence of music. But let's get on with the episode dave so let's start off with a little bit of lds church in yeah. so i'm sure lots of listeners have been watching the trump impeachment trial thing um interesting little news bit today about mitt romney's vote yeah <laughs> senator right uh, Republican senator for Utah, Mitt Romney. We know that he was up for presidential candidate some years back. Ah, whatever. <clears throat> What's my point here? So, Mitt, first time in history that a senator ever voted against their own party for an impeachment. So that's interesting. And the note here in this article is that, well, it says for evidence of evidence meaning why he voted the way he did, one need only look to his public speech defending the vote during which Romney drew on his private beliefs. Quote, I am a profoundly religious person, Romney declared in his address. And quote, I take an oath before God as enormously consequential, indicating that his religious principles drove his political action. This is exactly what Sweeney was talking about in the the interview, you know, that we talked about last week. Yeah, uh, you know that should a Mormon president be elected? Watch uh, out! Oh, whoa! Yeah. yeah, yeah. So check this out. Here's a little clip from Romney stating that that piece. Here, here we go. I'm profoundly religious. <laughs> My faith is at the heart of who I am. Okay, he's pausing here. He's restraining a cry for effect. I'm not. I'm not shitting you. He's restraining the cry still. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. Okay. Well, there you go. What, I, what I'm pulling from that is he wants to be Jesus Christ himself. I mean, you know, I'm the hero. I'm the only one with the strong enough moral fiber to stand up for what I really believe. Yeah. And if that's the case, hurrah. Good for you. Sure. You know, I I mean, yeah. yeah. Instead of acquiescing to every wind of doctrine. 
Well, I, I would say good for him, good for anybody to stand up for their beliefs, except I'm not a fan, and this is going to surprise you, David, <laughs> of religious doctrine heavily influencing your beliefs what? because it's another way of saying letting fiction have a powerful influence in the way that you make decisions in your life. So that's, uh, you know, there's something not great about that concept in my mind. Um, so uh, guys, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Well, I, I just saw images of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies pass through my mind with the faces <laughs> of our political leaders on those characters. I don't know what that means. Should cut back on the peyote probably, but yeah, probably. That's, that's my commentary on that. All right. Well, I I concur with the sentiment presented in that commentary, Senator David. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Do I have your vote? Uh, no, let's not go that far. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um. So before we get into our episode today, let's, uh, well, the we already got into the episode. What am I talking about? Before we get into the meat, as, the, as it were, <laughs> of the episode... <laughs> Let's not take that pun too far. Um, <laughs> let's do a little four-hour information, David. All right. Let's take it up with Brother Philo Dibble. <laughs> <laughs> You're shitting me. No. I think, you know, I, I think what it is is a conjugation of Philip and Milo. Philo. Philo. Yeah. Huh. No, it's a cool name. Philo Dibble tells <laughs> meeting of high priests, and this is in July 31st of 1886, by the way, that, mm -hmm. quote, Joseph Smith had been to President John Taylor and conversed with him in his body. Uh, uh, what? Uh, um, there's no explanation after that. So I guess Joseph was resurrected, he's suggesting? Uh, spirit body. Oh. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay, let's just move on because that's disturbing. <laughs> August 31st, U.S. officials at Staten Island, New York, send immigrants back to England because they are Mormons. Ooh. They board next ship conceal their religion and destination, pass through American customs, and arrive in Salt Lake City on October 27th. For the next several years, European immigrants conceal their LDS religion and their Utah destination. Oh, wait a minute. So they were stopping them in New York before yeah. they went to Utah. Yeah, Ellis Island, Stanton Island. Like, uh, like turning them back? No, like wait saying, a minute. Yeah. Wait, that, you know what that means? That the sentiment about the church was still very strong in New York, even though they'd been away from that area for years and years mm -hmm. now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. so... Well, yeah, obviously there's not a lot of detail. There's a lot of detail missing to complete that story, right? That's interesting. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. September 8th, Isaac Haight dies in Arizona, fully reinstated in church 16 years after his excommunication for ordering the Mountain Meadow Massacre. Wow. Wait a minute. Wait. Yeah. This is the guy. Let me make sure I got this straight. This is the guy who ordered the massacre. This is the verbiage here. The words are, yeah, yeah after his Men, women, and children. Yeah. Killed and yeah. innocent. And, and he is allowed to be baptized back into the church. To forgive is divine. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's horrible. Fuck. Wow. Let's move on. I That's. Yeah. I, hmm. September 27th. John Taylor in hiding at home of monogamous John Woolley. All these names, by the way, just keep showing Wait, up. They had to designate this guy was monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, he was the only one. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Gives a revelation about plural marriage. Now, again, this is John Taylor. I have not revoked this law, nor will I, for it is everlasting. Until your successor says it's not. But anyway. Wow. So I, I, okay, there you go, right? Another one of those, this is eternal until it's not. (laughs) And then the next prophet can throw you under the bus and say well he was talking as a man you know it was the time they lived in and those circumstances it's not like that now the church is still being restored okay and it always has been still being restored apparently holy shit (laughs) okay damn it anyway i don't know how much of this okay i guess i i better read this december 27th Sarah M. Granger Kimball, she's got all those names going for her. Counselor and <laughs> Relief Society General Presidency says that her brother, Lafayette Granger, and the late Bishop George Miller, in conversation with the prophet Joseph Smith, were told by him that when Mary, the mother of Jesus, was on her way to the hill country, what? The hill country, she was met by God the Father. And the angel Gabriel, and the latter, angel Gabriel, performed the marriage between <laughs> between the father and Mary. Oh, they didn't want to have sex before. Wait a minute. She was a virgin. Hang on. I'm confused. Right. Gabriel yeah. made it legal? Or Wait a minute. Right. So this is one of the huge disparities between Mormon Christian beliefs and normal Christian beliefs. Orthodox or Orthodox Christianity, whatever, because this whole concept of the uh, uh, immaculate conception, which is another way of saying um, screwless conception, right? Um, She just magically became pregnant. And here's Dead proof, right, of the Mormon theology that uh, God had sex with her. <laughs> so, uh, all righty. Good. You know what? I'm going to skip a couple that I had highlighted 
since you emphasize that and go right to July 1887. Apostle, okay, special witness of Christ, Apostle Franklin D. Richards, quote, God the Father came down in his tabernacle of flesh and bone and had association with Mary and made her pregnant with Jesus. Okay, well, you there it is for, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so when you're resurrected, I guess that includes the power to reanimate your previous mortal flesh in order to consummate a marriage or whatever the hell you're going to do. Yeah, I guess you're going to, you get to keep your balls. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let me back up. 1887. John Taylor has $40,000 removed from first presidency safe to bribe influential members of Congress to oppose Edmund Tucker's bill and support Utah statehood. So that was the main thing. Again, this whole history of the church at this time was Utah wanted to become a state, which was completely inverse to what Brigham said. That you know, when Brigham he, was interested in being a he, state. He landed in the Mayflower, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's how fictitious, the fictitious, I should say, that yeah. th- this whole history narrative goes, and mm-hmm. says, "Oh, this we will be our own nation." Did he say nation or country? Whatever. Something uh, like that. Kingdom. Yeah. Deseret. Yeah. Yep. The and kingdom. It was, Deseret. It was a kingdom. Basically, yeah. the entire Western United States, parts of Mexico, uh, $40,000 in 1887. A lot of money. Ooh. Yeah, to, bribe. to bribe. That's awesome. That's I, some good. Those tithe payers are feeling good about that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on one more time uh, with John Taylor. Okay. He dies in the underground. <laughs> That's all this says. July Under- 25th, John Taylor dies. So w- we've got to get a new prophet. How long is it going to take this time? I don't know. Are we going to find out in our next session? But here's the fun part. He dies because of his wounds in Carthage jail and his death in exile. President John Taylor has been killed by the cruelty, cruelty, I can't even talk, of officials who have in this territory misrepresented the government of the United States. So he's a double martyr is what it says. Oh, okay. So like he, wow, nothing better than a double martyr, right? Hmm. Well, he died for like, two causes, I guess. I guess so. I So that sounds like a good cocktail, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll have a double martyr. Fuck the Bloody Mary. Give me a double murder. <laughs> murder? <laughs> Somebody's got, got, one more, somebody got LDS history on the brain. He slipped no, in. I've got brain damage. Because oh. when you study this, it, it, it's just a side effect. Okay. September 8th, we're still in 1887, 
Wilford Woodruff and the 12 formally established fixed salaries for themselves. Oh, good, because, damn it, I can't pay my bills and keep all these wives happy. So that's yeah. when it started, the actual salary. It, and it goes on to list all kinds of different appropriations. And at the end of the statement here, church members also give the patriarch $2 for each patriarchal blessing. What a deal. Oh, so the patriarchs got paid. Well, that one, they stopped, <laughs> obviously, right? At some what? point. No, they paid him to stop talking. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't recall my, my patriarch. No, no. So that one went, that one went by the wayside, but the, the salaries didn't stop. So this is the last one from 1887. And then we'll cut this off for now. Okay. Uh, Charles Savage, a faithful Mormon writes of general conference. Now, Hang on. He's a faithful Mormon. And these uh -huh. are his comments about General Conference. The instructions were of the usual character and lacked definiteness of purpose. Uh-oh. <laughs> huh. So in other words, the same boring shit that they gave in talks back and, then. And you know, it reminded me, uh, Michael, uh, about our time in the church and especially mm -hmm. as a youth um and i and i would go back to the time when you could talk mm -hmm. literally all the way back bored out of your fucking mind oh yeah because yeah. they would subject you to these <laughs> endless meetings my god and yeah. and the benches were made of wood you're ass is just <laughs> and, and you're like what is this old duffer up there talking about uh, don't you feel the spirit fuck no my ass is breaking in two wait <laughs> i mean no that was the reality mm, it, if yeah. we can be clear about our memories of church yeah. attendance as children sure yeah, it was. yeah. Ah, good. All right. Man. Enough of my ranting and raving. Nah, good stuff, man. I love it. Good old history, which means nothing today, of course, because those were all the theories of men who were special witnesses of Christ and the prophet himself. So it doesn't really matter today. No, no. <laughs> that was, you know, it, it was, it was a rough time back then. Don't you? Yeah. You can't, you can't judge people, you know, it was the time. Uh, so look guys in, in the in the flavor, that's not the word I'm looking for, of what we did last week with howls, jowl, jowls, howls, and growls, I think was the title, right, of Holland's yeah. interview. Um, Gordon B. Hinckley, very quick kind of preface here. Gordon Hinckley, a few prophets back, he was the first, and as far as I recall, David, the last prophet who spoke with kind of like public like national news uh like reporters investigators so he met with mike wallace from the program 60 minutes in 1996 this was the first time that a prophet had ever gone into that public of a news forum and and essentially been interviewed 
And then after that, in 97, there was a Time Magazine article in a famous Time Magazine had the LDS, the Salt Lake Temple on the cover of it. And there was an article called Kingdom Come that was all about the church. And that was really a big deal because it was like the first exposure to what would later become recently for us, the $100 billion debacle, right? Like this was the first foray into the finances of the church. And Mm. they they had all, it was a long article. Um, And then 97 still, the San Francisco Chronicle, Gordon Hinckley has a quote. And then in 1998, he did a, an interview with Larry King live on CNN. So that was a big deal. So, you know, lots of PR. Now, in a way, it makes sense because that's what Gordon Hinckley did for a job. He did PR, as I understand it, for the church. Did he not? I think yeah, he, that- he started in media immediately after being released from his full-time mission and right. became an employee of the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might as well make money while you're doing it. And sure. yeah, so I, I think... I don't want to say his arrogance, uh, possibly, but he was uh, and had been for, what, 60 years plus involved. Mm -hmm. And he thought, well, what the hell? Let's just go out there and get public and get interviewed. I think it's, you know, it's kind (laughs) of like, shit, let's never do that again. And let me just sum up. Let me sum up all these interviews by looking at a a song from Ozzy Osbourne, his first album with Randy Rhodes after after Sabbath, (laughs) a a song entitled, I Don't Know. Don't ask me. I don't know. Oh, oh. (laughs) He says a lot more than that, but there's a lot. Okay. Let's just yeah. roll on and we'll find out. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, and look, just like Colin Hinckley wasn't a dodo, you know, give him a break. <laughs> he's a smart guy. He read a book or two. Um, but here's some tidbits, right? So he's asked, there's several segments here, and I'll just play little pieces of these. You'll also hear some pieces from uh, people who are not Hinckley. So in this interview, this was kind of similar to Sweeney's interview with Holland in the in the documentary thing, right. The Mormon Candidate, because Sweeney went around and talked to a bunch of other people, too. Right. We just played you the piece where he talked to Holland. Same with this one. Mike Wallace went around. He talked to a bunch of people. He talked to some non-Mormons. He ta- and so uh, he also talked with you'll hear in this first clip, Bill Marriott. So that the. the uh, the exact top exec of Marriott hotels at the time and Senator Orrin Hatch, who's obviously a Mormon at the time. Uh, and this first little clip is about the first vision. Let's, let's see what Gordy says here. Your church says God and Jesus spoke with your founder, Joseph Smith back in 1820 and told him to start this church. You believe that? Yes, sir. He was 14 years old. Yes, sir. A backwoods farm boy. Yes, sir. In uh, New York State. That's the miracle of it. So there's Hinky, Hinkley. Hinky. <laughs> Have you, uh, oh. for the our listeners who are familiar with vinyl albums, yeah. Yeah. when when the needle sticks, it goes, <laughs> Hinky, 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 and it plays the same couple of notes over and over. That's what that reminded me of. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you are you an idiot? Yes, sir. Do you hear me right now? Yes, sir. Do you have indigestion? Yes, sir. I mean, it's, are you listening to me? What the fuck, dude? Yeah, that I thought the same thing. That's the miracle of it, that he was a dumb shit and he saw the whatever. Okay. What does Bill Marriott and Senator Hatch say about it? You'd expect the head of the church to believe it, but so does Bill Marriott, chief of the Marriott hotel chain, a hard-headed businessman. And he must be smart. 14 years old, and God and Jesus come to see him? You believe that? Yes, I do. We believe that the early church of Jesus Christ faded away and that it came back to Joseph Smith. And the senior U.S. senator from yeah. Utah, Orrin Hatch, a Mormon. Orrin says it's my favorite thing. We believe that we know uh, that this happened. Yeah, that's my favorite. We know. <laughs> we believe that we know. <laughs> that That is funny, huh? I didn't think, think of about that. that. We believe yeah. that we know. We believe that we know. Okay. I, that's the most perfectly worded statement from a Mormon I've ever heard. Or a politician in that case, right? Oh, or an apologist. <laughs> yeah. So how demanding is the church? This is one of the things that Wallace digs into. Look, man, you guys got a fucking million commandments. You got to come to church for three hours still at that point. The two-hour thing is obviously recent with Rusty Nell. Um, you got to pay tithing. You got to do this, that, whatever, right? What What about that, Gordy? What do you think? It is demanding. And that's one of the things that attracts people to this church. It it stands as an anchor in a world of shifting values. Okay. Let let me just back up and think about all the people that I saw and was involved with joining the church. Mm -hmm. And in no case, when they listed all of the things that just Oh, this is why I joined. Mostly it was the warm fuzzies, but sure. I it's so demanding. I just couldn't keep myself from it. My <laughs> God, they're going to take over my life. How could you not want to be part of that? No, nobody ever said that. No, no. Well, and then he spins it, of course. Of well, course. It's, an, it's an anchor in a world of changing values, well, that's attractive. I mean, if you tell people I have an anchor in all this shifting bullshit, right? Like I have answers and I have a solid anchor that, that is attractive. Right. Uh, I think to most people. Oh yeah. But but yeah, to relate that to the whole point about how demanding the church is again, is kind of a little, little cheating, little, little, (laughs) <laughs> Being a little fuzzy with the answers. Do you okay, have a card under the table there, Gordon? Exactly, right? Let like let me see what kind of counterfeit cash I've got going on in my wallet. Um, so how about the word of wisdom? This is one of my favorite quotes, and I'll tell you guys why after, but but here's a question on the word of wisdom. Example. Mormons adhere to a very strict health code. No alcohol, no tobacco, no coffee, no tea. Not even caffeinated soft drinks. Right. Eat meat sparingly. Exercise. Right. Get plenty of sleep. Right. It's wonderful. Okay. First of all, um, Wallace took some liberties there creatively (laughs) because 
exercise, getting plenty of sleep, that that's not in the word of wisdom, right? So we we know. I, he just decided, I guess, to yeah. throw that. He, he was <laughs> describing the lifestyle, and right. all of those things are are very positive. Mm-hmm. However, go on, Michael. Well, so there's that. We slipped in a couple. The other thing is about this. Um, so caffeinated beverages. So my my wife at the time and I, as young a young married couple, we were watching this on TV live, and that actually impacted us because there's been this debate in the church, off and on for decades of, oh, can you drink caffeinated? Can you drink Coke? Can you drink caffeinated beverage? Oh no. Well, oh, caffeine's the letter of the law, even though it's not, or the the spirit of the law, even though it's not the letter of the law, and, and so there was always kind of a, uh, an you know, kind of an unknown or a, a lack of clarity around that in the church. And one of the things when we heard that him say that, yeah, yeah, we we don't even drink caffeinated soft drinks. Well, I guess that's our answer. So we immediately stopped drinking caffeinated soft drinks because here's the prophet on TV saying not supposed to, right? So that was interesting. Uh, later we went back to it, <laughs> but so that, yeah, that reminds me of the single, the single earring type thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, how far can we go with this control in your life? Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, isn't it wonderful? Um, yeah, eat meat sparingly. Yeah, no. <laughs> More Mormons are meat eaters. <laughs> yeah, they so. wear it well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he could say yes there. Gordy likes a good steak. So maybe a little fudging on the answer there. I don't know how many Rod Taylor fans there are out there. He wrote a song called Maggie May. And the chorus is, and you wear it well. That sorry for all my music intrusion here, but oh, I uh, love the music. Yeah, yes. you, you um, know because you show up. Yeah, <laughs> that and that's it. Talk all day long, but ultimately you just show up, and that yeah. says everything. Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah, of course. So. Uh, in his little foray in talking with some ex-Mormons, etc., Wallace, there's a tiny blip here with, with Steve Benson. So Steve Benson at the time was kind of popular in the anti-Mormon scene because he was the grandson of Ezra Taft Benson, who was the prophet before Hinckley, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so fairly recent, you know, just the prophet earlier, here's Steve Benson, his grandson, going around town bashing the church. He had left, obviously. And so he talks to him a little bit. I included this because uh, it's it's interesting what Steve says here. Here we go. Left the church to become one of its most outspoken critics, even though his late grandfather, Ezra Taft Benson, President Eisenhower's Secretary of Agriculture, had been a church president. Steve Benson complains that by enforcing conformity, the church stifles independent thought. The cultural mindset in the church is when the prophet has spoken, the debate is over. And the prophet is? Gordon B. Hinckley would be the prophet. When he has pronounced the church's position on any issue, it is incumbent upon the members of the church to pray, pay, and obey. Um, 
<laughs> Amen, brother. I love That's it. That's all I've got to say. Don't use your mind. And don't he likes alliteration, it. too. <laughs> yeah. Pray, pay, and obey. I don't know if he actually created that phrase. I, I it's It's been not. around. I've yeah, heard it. Yeah. Around, but, but yeah, his point is well taken. How does Hinckley respond to that? Well, that's a clever statement from Steve, whom I know. Now, look, our people have tremendous liberty. They're free to live their lives as they please. Are they? Really? Oh, absolutely. Surely, we have to make choices. It's the old eternal battle. Sorry. The forces of evil against the forces of good. Uh, mm. No. <laughs> no. They don't have liberties to live their lives the way they want to. It's funny because Wallace pushes them a little bit there. If you listen, you know, hear that, he goes, do they? Do they? Because he's been talking to some, right? Do they really have liberties to live their lives the way they want to? No, they do not. And this this speaks again. uh, We talked about this with Rusty Nail, being out of touch with with the people. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, ridiculous, guys, and and just just the mere nature of uh, how you quote unquote earn your way to the celestial kingdom. And we've talked about things like this a few times. Look, uh, sure, I have freedom to live my my life however I wish in the church. Uh, I don't have to obey any of the commandments or do anything at all that I don't want to do if I don't care about being worthy and going to the temple and going to the celestial kingdom. Right. So, so look, and that's the whole purpose of membership, right? So it's just a word game is what we're getting into there. (sighs) Anyway. So one of the things that he captures in this interview thing is um, Hankley visits the MTC and he talks to the missionaries at the mission training center there, there for a minute. Here's a little clip of what he says there. White shirts, some I'm a little wrinkled. Ties, I look at you, I look at your faces, and think of your age, and I'm inclined to say, well, you're not much to look at, but you're all the Lord has. <laughs> um, and I- darn it. I feel so much better about myself now. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, right? Like, well, your, your piece is a shit, but you're all the Lord has. Um, ha ha. Even if he's joking, which I guess maybe he kind of was, but back to that whole God's needy, I guess, right? You're all these paltry wrinkly shirted losers, but you're all God has, and he needs you. And by God, he can get it done with losers like you. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's saying. <laughs> that's a good way to rephrase that. Yeah, he can get it done even with losers like you. <laughs> Shit. Uh, guys, the whole concept, right? Here's an omnipotent being, and he needs these young, unknowledgeable little schmucks to go around and do this. God needs it. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Uh, what about blacks and the priesthood? Ah, uh, one of my favorite quotes here. Uh, let's listen to this. From 1830 to 1978, mm-hmm. blacks could not become 
priests in the in the Mormon Church, right? That's correct. Why? Because the leaders of the church at that time interpreted that doctrine that way. Church policy had it that blacks uh, had the mark of Cain. Brigham Young said, Cain slew his brother, and the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and black skin. It's behind us. Look, that's behind us. Don't worry about those little flicks of history. Skeptics will suggest, well, look, if we're going to expand, we can't keep the black up. Or speculation. Speculation, Maya. No, it's yeah. behind us. Uh, it, mm-hmm. You know, I just got an image, which I do from time to time, of the, you know, cl- the cliche, sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And, and then it, as you sweep this pile of steaming dog shit under the rug and maybe step on it a couple times to make it try to go away, you go, ah, that's behind me now. You know, uh, go ahead, Michael. You have it something. It smells, to and it still trips you as you yeah. try to walk over it. Sometimes, Fuck. Um, you know, what do you even say to something like this? So Wallace has a two prong question here, which I thought was pertinent. Right. So first piece is, yeah. hey, you know, um, blacks couldn't have the priesthood. Why? Why is that? Well. Here we go, right? Hinkley was one of the guys who started this, this whole throwing other prophets under the bus shit, right? Well, you know, that's the way the leaders at that time interpreted that doctrine. What? So so that's kind of a way of saying, yeah, you know, Young and all those guys at that time period, um, they just weren't fully receiving God's will. You know, I'm I'm getting something. And this is like a spider crawling out of a spider web with my, uh, was it Paul who said, no scripture is of private interpretation. So again, it they are doing the damage to themselves because their own teachings say that what a prophet says is the word of God. And it will not change. God does not change. That's right. So we're going to go back to the, our first episode is God schizophrenic. Yeah. With this. And, and he just says, well, fuck, I can't, I can't bring that up. Uh, Yep. 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 Oh, wait, wait, give me the, give me the broom. Hurry. God (laughs) damn it. Lift up this rug. I, I don't know. I don't know the metaphor to use. It's ridiculous. It's weak. It sucks. Oh, it's lame, it's, right? So, yeah. So that's first response is, well, I'm going to throw the leaders under the bus, not God, obviously. So then Wallace, ah, awesome, right? He comes back with a fucking quote from Brigham Young when Young was the prophet. Okay. I'm God's mouthpiece. Did his homework did his, there. Did his homework. Yeah. I'm God's mouthpiece. This is what God has revealed to me that the mark of Cain talked about in the Bible is the curse of the black skin. Okay, uh, now Hinckley's stuck. This is a full on, this is a revelation from God to me. This is my understanding of the curse. So what can he say? He can't go back to the same, well, Brigham Young interpreted thing. No, that there's no interpretation there, right? So what's he going to do? He does what you said. Oh, shit. Get the broom. 
Those are blips. Those are fits of history. Fits of history. <laughs> what? You know what that points to is what it, it seems like what he's saying is, you know, we can't be real sure about how accurate that historical record is. Bullshit. Yeah, we're totally we, We've sure. got it. Yeah. 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 It's recorded. It's documented. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Women in the priesthood. This is another fun one. What does he got to say here? Now that blacks can be priests, the current issue is whether Mormon women will ever be priests. Men hold the priesthood in this church. Why? Because God <laughs> stated that it should be so. That was the revelation of the church. That was the way it was set forth. Yeah. Okay. God said so. I love Mike's voice there. Why? Uh, Mike Wallace. Yeah. Why? The way he kind of, why? <laughs> In other words, I'm sick of asking you these questions that you're not answering. Yeah. Kind and of thing. It's fun because you never know what answer you're going to get. One time he throws press leaders under the bus. Another time he says, oh, forget it. That's, that's gone. That's water under the bridge. And now he says, well, because God said so. Okay. Uh, what's the next answer going to? I'm it's getting creative here. How about uh, abuse of children and often women in the church? What does Hinckley have to say about this serious issue? It just tells us at the root of the problem is the fact that men, in effect, in your church have authority over women, so that your clergymen tend to sympathize with the men, the abusers, instead of the abused. That's one person's opinion. I. I don't think there's any substance to it. Oh. Now, there'll be a, one blip, a person? Blip, a mistake here, a mistake <laughs> here. But by and large, the welfare of women and children is as seriously considered as is the welfare of the men in this church, if not more so. President Hinckley says the church has been teaching its clergy how to handle abuse more effectively. We're working very hard at it. There are cases. They're everywhere. They're all over this world. It is a disease. It's an illness. It's a sickness. It's a reprehensible and evil thing. We recognize it as such. All righty. You know, that that reminded me there uh, in a lot of movies and that with either a political person or, or a, uh, uh, you know, the police authorities mm -hmm. when they're asked, what are you doing about finding my daughter's murderer or, you know, something like this. We're doing everything we can. Mm -hmm. Everything in our power is being done. Oh, fuck. That, yeah. That. Yeah. And, uh, look, that could be an episode by itself. Um, there's so much to talk about there. There's so much to unpack in both the issue itself that Wallace presented as well as Hinckley's response, you know, it's, it's just pathetic, you know, and, and not to mention one of my favorite points to bring up here, um, or, you know, we're aware of it, we're doing what we can, right. And doing what you can includes having an, uh, uh, this unpaid lay clergy at all the way up, you know, to the stake level where these men only are put in leadership positions where they can interview women and minors and little children behind a closed door, one-on-one. -on -one. And the way that you know that this guy is safe is not by doing a background check, 
or anything like that, you know he's safe because God called him. And the Spirit witnessed to me, the Spirit of discernment said, he's the bishop, he's the man for the role, and you call pedophile as a bishop. There is no excuse for that. None whatsoever. And that pisses me off. And yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole with that. Uh, are Mormons weird, Dave? Let's. What does Gordy say? The world, we're not a weird people. A weird, yes. All right, we're not a weird people. Um, here's. Well, he's going against scripture because God said, "You shall become a peculiar people." Yes. Yes. He wants them to be weird. So what's well, the fucking yeah. story? And Brigham, w- remember the statement I read where mm-hmm. Brigham said, we don't want all these people coming in to Salt Lake because we're not of the world. Yeah, we, we're different. And that, and so, you're supposed yeah. to be, right? Yeah. And then Hinkley, you know, even back to the abuse thing for one second, right? That's another issue with his response. He brings in the fallacy of, well, everybody's doing it, right? This is a problem in the whole world, not just our church. Don't pick on us. <laughs> abuse is happening by these pedophiles everywhere. So why are you picking on us, you know? Well, I don't know, maybe because you're supposed to be the only true fucking church in the universe and you're supposed to call these guys who are really called from God. And actually creating an an environment in which that can happen more readily than it would otherwise? Safely. You're supposed to be safe at church. You're supposed to feel that you're safe there and that it is different from the world. And then he equates it with the world. Well, the world, look, this is a problem everywhere in the world. Oh, including in the only true church. Ah, so I'd see an- another happening. grasp at, at uh, projecting the church as being mainstream. And mm-hmm. that's that's what we're talking about here. I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but I mean, I, Mike is going to mention, Mike Wallace is going to mention it, that this, this is the whole effort in the mid to late 90s. And maybe they've never <clears throat> quit trying to push this image. That the church is mainstream. We're we're not weird. <laughs> Bunch yeah. of fucking you know pedophiles and control yeah. freaks and whatever. Yeah, uh, just like the rest of the world. Yeah, we're, we're not weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we got okay. all the shit in our church too. So here's garments. I love conversations about garments. There's a funny story I kept in here. It's not Hinkley. It's from Bill Marriott again. You guys are going to enjoy this. Followed by Steve Young, who was a star quarterback of the 49ers at this time. Let's see what they have to say about garments. Try not to laugh out loud, Dave, in this one. Here we go. Do you wear the sacred undergarments? Yes, I do. And I can tell you they do protect you from harm. Really? Uh I was in a very serious boat accident. Fire. Boat was on fire. I was on fire. Mm-hmm. I was burned. My pants were burned right off me. I was not burned above my knee. Where the garment was, I was not burned. And you believe it was the sacred undergarments? I do, particularly on my legs, because my, my pants were gone. And my undergarments were not singed. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> you what know... you guys can't see, what you can't see here is Wallace, when about the point when Bill right. said, uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, my garments weren't, bur- he, Wallace 
puts his finger over his top lip because he's starting to smile and he doesn't want to offend <laughs> Bill Marriott. God. And it's just incredulous to him. You know, he's, you really believed your fucking underwear saved you from the fire. Like Wallace almost laughs out loud at that point. And we, we could talk about, and we, we don't have time now, but the definition of a quote unquote miracle. Yeah. And, and uh, Marriott would have seen that as a miracle, but they don't include things like cotton garments not burning Mm, so did he make that story up out of whole fabric just fucking i you know there's a lot of those uh yeah uh fables yeah you're right you got back back joke more about about folklore. folklore yeah there's a lot of it including the garments will protect you what does steve young have to say here Steve Young, the star quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, is also the great-great-great-grandson of Brigham Young, one of the Mormon's early leaders. And do you think that the sacred undergarments have kept you from harm on the football field? I actually take them off to play football. The sacred nature of them, I find that uh, the nature of football and the sweating and so forth, I actually take them off. And I think that's probably prevalent with athletics in the church. Really? But my teammates have enjoyed when you know you're getting dressed and you put your garments on. They they think they're pretty cool. A lot of them. Hey, where'd you get those? And I always tell them they're way too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Wallace actually does look surprised when Steve Young tells him, "I don't wear them because there's you're supposed to wear them to protect you." Well, like like the whole point. One of the uh, team members and a football team that is most susceptible to it. Well, I guess they're all susceptible, but maybe most yeah. susceptible is a quarterback Yeah, because they're right. usually smaller. Yes, they're strong, yeah. but they get sacked. That's and right. Th- yeah. So oh, I need all the protection protection I can get. So, yeah, that was a surprise to him. So let's just make a little joke. My yeah. grandpa used to call them mm-hmm. angel chaps. well actually his his fellow workers at work i guess they changed and and uh whatever showered after i don't know but Uh, they would they commented oh i see you're wearing your angel chaps that's hilarious (laughs) god oh god okay uh this whole idea of Mormons becoming mainstream, uh, and uh, let let's talk about that, and then it 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 uh, kind of extends into another little snippet with Orrin Hatch, which is kind of weird and interesting. Let's see. Gordon Hinckley prefers not to talk about Jesus returning to Missouri or about sacred undergarments. He says that those points miss the point. Well, really quickly, I gotta pause there and disagree with Hinckley. <laughs> Those points are the point, pal. Uh, you can't ignore all the doctrine of the church that's weird, which is a shit ton of it, just to be mainstream. Okay, so yeah, back to it. He wants to portray Mormons as mainstream, not extreme. And for that, Hinckley has hired a Jewish-owned public relations firm. <laughs> Mormons hiring Jews to help spread the word. Makes sense to Senator Orrin Hatch, but then he wears a mezuzah on a chain around his neck. 
A mezuzah is often put at the entrance to a Jewish home as a reminder of their faith. It's typical of Mormon people to love all people, but especially Jewish people. I wear a mezuzah just to remind me, to, to make sure that there is never another Holocaust anywhere. You see, the Mormon church is the only, the only church in the history of this country that had an extermination order out against it by Governor Lilburn Boggs of Missouri. We went through untold persecutions. Oh, <laughs> uh, what does that have to do with my question? Oh, you just want me to feel sorry for you and not be as hard on you with the questions. Okay, I got it. Um, where's a mezuzah around his neck? Uh, come on, dude. You're not Jewish. What the fuck are you trying to... Uh, you know, this infatuation with Jewish and Israel, uh, Israel in general, uh, in the Mormon church is another, uh, probably an episode, huh, Dave? Oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another thing. Um, let's talk about church and politics. Moving right along here. Try to keep this under an hour in our little episode here. Uh, does the church get involved in politics with its members? We urge our people to exercise their franchise as citizens of this nation, but we do not tell them how to vote and we do not tell the government how it should be run. All righty, except when, uh, when Senator Romney said the reason he decided the impeachment vote the way he did is because of his religious beliefs. All right. And <laughs> what the, do you say? The fact that, what, 90? 90% maybe of LDS people are Republican? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, another piece that, that we know. can do. There's audio available, interviews with senators and and uh, and how, and representatives that are Mormon in the in Congress uh, who have talked about when they thought they were in private or in friendly company. They've talked about how their first dedication as a as a member of, of Congress is to the church first then to the country, right? And so it's the exact opposite of what Hinckley just said there. Yeah. Well, yeah. David Koresh, Jim Jones, and you know, a few others get, get my full attention. And then the country is <laughs> of my concern. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, how about a gerontocracy? We did a whole episode on this, and Wallace brings it up, which I thought was funny. Uh, isn't the church being run by a gerontocracy here? There are those who say this is a gerontocracy. This is this is a church run by old men. Isn't it wonderful? What to have a man of maturity at the head, a man of judgment who isn't blown about by every wind of doctrine? Absolutely, as long as he's not dotty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. I don't uh, think it was a compliment, man. Yeah, because... I don't know if it was a compliment. Uh... <laughs> Boy, did you misread that, Mr. PR? Oh, shit. Uh, it is a problem, and we've talked about it, so we won't go down that path again. It's a big problem that these old men are completely out of touch, uh, even with what's happening with their own members. Yeah, it's a problem. Uh, last little piece here. They're at the end. They're saying goodbye, shaking hands, weeping profusely. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, 
And, uh, you know, there's this comment about heaven. Hey, hey, you know, what a, we know it's there, right? Well, no is the word again, of course. And how does Wallace respond to that? We know it's there. We have an assurance of that. A lot of us who don't. Yeah, I know that. But you could. I've thought about it. I've not been able to persuade myself. <laughs> you haven't thought about it long enough. It's <laughs> like a joke. Yeah. You hey, know. If you have a testimony, just keep burying it and lying that you have one, and eventually you'll have a testimony, right? Uh, again, being a Mormon has nothing to do about thinking. No. Especially thinking critically. So, Mike, you're on the wrong fucking path. You'll never... You'll never get a testimony if you keep thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hinckley said he should think. He just hasn't thought long about it. Oh, know? wait. Well, Hang on. on. I'm yeah. confused. Yeah. You haven't thought enough about it long enough. What's he really saying? If you try to convince yourself of something hard enough, guess what will happen? You'll be convinced. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the way Wallace rephrases it. I haven't been able to convince myself or persuade myself yet. Yeah, he's and, never Yeah, and never going to come you, around. Buddy. Yeah, good for you. Um, all right. Well, guys, uh, that's the episode. And um, hopefully the audio won't suck this time and we'll actually be able to publish it. So thanks for bearing with us. And we're a few few days late again. Just when we thought our technical difficulties were done. But, uh, yeah, you know, thanks for sticking in there with us. Dave, any parting words after, oh, Lordy Gordy? Well, we didn't we didn't bring up the King Follett discourse or the, uh, uh, that's because that's part of a, a different interview. Uh, but again, yeah, Gordon. Yeah, just, you know what? That's a good point. And we probably should have mentioned it. And what David is referencing is there, not in this interview, but there was a quote that Hinckley gave because two. was asked two quotes that two were quotes. similar, same question. Uh, different reporters asked him, Hey, uh, again, back to history. Oh shit. <laughs> you know, um, a couple people in history have said that, uh, you know, God was once a man and, and, you know, as man is, uh, God once was as God is man may become. Do you guys still teach that? Do you still believe that? And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, the response is pretty terrible. Uh, and why don't we save that as a little magical tidbit for next episode, Dave? Right. Okay. Yeah. Because that's, that's the most damning because again, he's stepping on the prophets of old as it were it. I mean, how many generations have to pass before, uh, okay, let, let me put it this way. It's not cool for me to step on the words of Elijah or Abraham or Moses, but I can disregard the statements of a prophet of just a hundred years ago. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't get the update on that. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Or as Gordy might ask, how many generations have to pass before you fuckers will just forget the blip? in our past come on come on that's behind us forget the blips (laughs) 
That's what we should have called this episode. Forget the blips. All right, guys. Love you. Take care. And uh, peace out, huh, Dave? Yeah. Adios, man. <laughs>